Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to languages for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Dent, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. And it was then that Nyarlathotep came out of Egypt. Who he was, none could tell. But he was of the old, native blood, and looked like a pharaoh. The people knelt when they saw him, yet could not say why. He said he had risen up out of the blackness of twenty-seven centuries, and that he had heard messages from places not on this planet. Into the lands of civilization came Nyarlathotep, swarthy, slender, and sinister. He spoke much of the sciences, of electricity and psychology, and gave exhibitions of power which sent his spectators away speechless, yet which swelled his fame to exceeding magnitude. Men advised one another to see Nyarlathotep, and shuddered. And where Nyarlathotep went, rest vanished for the small hours were rent with the screams of nightmare. Never before had the screams of nightmare been such a public problem. Now wise men almost wished they could forbid sleep in the small hours, that the shrieks of cities might less horribly disturb the pale, pitying moon as it glimmered on the green waters gliding underneath bridges and old steeples crumbling against a sickly sky. Nyarlathotep, H.P. Lovecraft. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I welcome you back as Keeper Michael to Season 4 of the Old Ways Podcast. And we are still in England dealing with the aftermath of the Miser House estate. And we have quite a bit to get to in this session. So before we get to that, though, we are going to do introductions. So, to my right. This is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and it's been a long night. That is absolutely certain. To Maeve's right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and it, it has been a long night, and I need a, a bath. Many of you do. At the end of the table. This is Jake. I'll be playing Jack Doyle, and I need a drink and a smoke. Uh, to Jack's right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach, and I probably fell asleep around a bottle. But good luck getting it out of my hands. And last one, well, certainly not least. This is Alex. I'll be playing Simone Gonger, and uh, I'm likely enjoying a much-needed and overdue nap. We are going to lift the curtain tonight in a bit of a different method. Uh, we are going to hand out some rewards. And uh, because the England chapter has now been called to an end. We didn't get a chance at the end of last session to hand out rewards, so we are going to do that. And you are all going to get a little sanity. Yeah, I like a little sanity. So, because of the events, because of the things which have transpired, you are going to gain 
five points of sanity back for neutralizing Edward Gavigan. <laughs> neutralizing. It's all in a question of pouring the proper chemicals on him. However, you failed so far to neutralize Zahar Shafiq, and so that reward will not come to you. I would say, given your ransacking of Miser House, that the cult here has been fairly well broken up. It's likely they have no power base to work from until it is uh, potentially rebuilt. But even that will take some time, so you'll gain a couple points of sanity back there. And you defeated several Mythos monsters. Actually, one of you took one, several of them out single-handedly. So for the million-favored one, you will gain a d6 of sanity as well. So that big, nasty creature that Simone blew up with a stick of dynamite, uh, you all get four points of sanity back. We all do? Mm-hmm. Nice. Because yeah, it's considered a group effort, yeah, yeah. even though it was his arm and his dynamite. And I am going to give you a D8 of Sanity back for all of the Night Gaunts you fought. And that's a three. Is it possible to go above your maximum Sanity? It is not. Okay. So if you get to your maximum Sanity, you stop there. At least as far as this game is concerned. Because Sanity loss has consequences. Because you're, you're pulp heroes, you're also all going to get 10 points of luck as a reward. So congratulations to you all who survived. Oh. It's too soon. Not for me. I'm the keeper. He knew what he was getting into. Yeah, I maxed out my luck. Congratulations. Thank you. We need to go from there to investigator improvement session. So we're going to get that out of the way as well. Uh, so if you have an idea of your boxes that you have ticked, we can begin that um, skill rolling here and then the uh, raising of skills. We'll go uh, around the table again. So, uh, Miss O'Shea, are you prepared? Yeah. Okay, great. So start us off. So my first one is going to be Brawl. Okay, can you tell me when the last time you used Brawl successfully was? It was Gavigan's arm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Roll your Brawl. 50 over 42. Wait, I want to go over, right? You do. You want to yes. fail. So take five points of brawl. All right, next skill. Spot hidden. Okay. You did a lot of spotting over yeah. the past couple of weeks. That is 80 over 72. Wow. It's two in a row. Uh, take three points of spot hidden. Oh, and a cult. <laughs> No, 69 out of 83. Nice. So, so yeah, that uh, that does not uh, move the meter, so to speak, but that's okay. I mean, you've, you've got a couple of skill-ups. And then why don't you roll the luck? As part of an improvement scenario, you get the luck portion. Okay. And the two D-tons? Okay. Mm. Yeah. That is uh, 13 out of 75, so no. Okay. But we're rolling to improve your luck. It's a different roll. It's not a skill oh. roll. This is me handing you luck. Okay. So take 14 points of luck. Miss Lane, skill rolls? 
fighting brawl, I attacked Mr. Gavigan with a knife. You did. Or something. Everybody yeah, attacked that dude with a knife. Anyway. Yeah, they did. So, yeah. Anyways. Go ahead and roll fighting brawl. Uh, 96 out of 34. Yeah, it's definitely a failure. That's good. So take eight more points of brawl. Nice. Okay. And then the next one was um, firearms. Hmm. Yes. I shot. We're all desperate for you to get more points of firearms. I know you are. I know you are. I am. Oh, I get a 30, 39 out of 65. Yep, that doesn't Darn raise it. it. Um, and then I thought we had a listen when we were out there, and I successfully did that, yeah. All right, so roll for listen. I got a 91 out of 70. Yep. I add nine more points to your listen. And then spot hidden. Okay. I got a 42 out of 88. Yeah, your spot hidden stays where it's at. It does. 88 is pretty high for spot hidden. And that's it. Okay, now roll luck. Got an 87. Out of? 58. All right, so add seven more points of luck. Great, thanks. Mr. Doyle. All right. First skill. I will start with climb. Mm, Climb. 71 over 41. Okay. Two more points of climb. Right, fast talk. Nope, that's 11 under 62. Hmm. Fighting brawl. Nope. Handgun. Nope. Machine gun. Yes, barely, but I did. uh... All right, so take uh, nine more points. Sweet. You bump a skill with luck. You don't check the box, right? Correct. First aid. Nope. Eleven under thirty. Listen. Fifty-six over thirty-seven. Okay. So take five more points there. Locksmith. <laughs> nope. Psychology. Mm-hmm. Ninety-four over fifty-seven. Oh. Yep, for sure. Eight more points to that. Spot and hidden. God, I actually rolled 94 over 92. Well, that's right. Your spot hidden is 92. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it will go to its maximum, which is 99. And so you're going to get 11 more points of sanity back. I'm already maxed out with... Uh, yeah, yeah, you get the effect of having it mastered. Yeah. So you have a skill mastery. And so good luck um, on future um, sanity rolls based on vision. Because right, I'm going to. You are going to see I'm them. I'm going to see it. And stealth. It's uh, 81 over 78. Well, that is four more points, sir. Sweet. Okay, that's it. All right. Um, skip my. Skip your luck refresh yeah. because you're full. All right, I had actually questions about two of them before I begin. I only have a couple to improve anyway. Um, archaeology. I have been studying, but it didn't get a chance to make a roll. Do I still? You don't. Okay. All right. Mm. You can make a skill improve roll if there's a travel session. Right. Um, and then does anyone remember if I succeeded at a stealth roll while we were being silent? Yes, you did. Okay. You then... and you were hiding in the bushes. All right. Well, then my first skill that I'm going to be improving is drive auto, which is difficult. 
Uh, and I rolled a 23 over 20. So, yes. All right. Take six more points of drive auto. Awesome. In case you steal any more vehicles. Yeah. Well, then. First aid. That is a 98 over 59. Wow. Yeah. Uh, five more points of that. Yay. Hard-earned points. Yeah, right. Medicine. That is a 15 under an 82, so not so much. And spot hidden. That is an 80. No, that is a 78 over or under 80, so no. Okay. And stealth. This shouldn't be that difficult. 67 over 20. Okay. So uh, add eight to that. Nice. It's my last skill upgrade. Okay, so luck roll. Yes, please. Um, I got a, a two under 34. All right, so you may take 12 more points of luck. I like that. Okay. So, uh, Mr. Granger. Yo. Let's talk skills. Sure. Um, so let's see if uh, how the dice rolls are feeling today. So I will start with climb with mm-hmm. a success, 28 over 55. Dodge is a critical success. Apparently does not want me to have any more dodge whatsoever. It's just making up for all those failed rolls in the finale. Yeah, yeah thanks, die rolls. Uh, let's get some brawl. So really? Really? 70 on 70. Man, rifle shotgun, hard success, 29 over 70. French. Failure, 57 over 50. All right, take nine more points of French. It'll be so useful later. You are fluent. Yeah. Let's get to listen. With an extreme success, 11 over 63. Awesome. Uh, Locksmith. The failure, 77 over 50. That is seven more points of Locksmith. Yay. Chemistry. With a 78 over 54. Okay. Take four more points of that. All right. Uh, spot hidden is a success, 32 over 58. Stealth is a success with 66 over 83. Swim again. Really? 45 over 45. And that's it. Okay. So, uh, luck, please. 93 over 39. <laughs> you are going to gain back eight more points of luck. These rolls, I tell you, are just all over the place. All right, that's uh, that's what I got. Okay, so, well, when we last left our intrepid adventures, because this has really turned into quite the adventure, the cold air at Walton on the Naze still pricks somehow its way through the slat wood walls and the windows here. Many of you have spent the early morning hours sleeping, trying to somehow mentally come to grips with everything you saw. And even though many of the survivors have been placed in a nearby clinic, waking up that next day is still a little surreal. The images are painted all over the inside of your eyelids. You can't forget the sounds. And the hotel is down one guest. Miss Lane, you wake first. 
Miss Lane was over at the clinic helping. What time did she come in? You don't even know. Okay. I didn't know if I just stayed out all night or... Probably. Okay. You come to in the clinic in a chair. You come to because the people who have been brought here are beginning to get prepared to be shuttled to Colchester, the nearest large town. The doctors, the doctor on staff here is still asking you a lot of questions that you really can't answer. I'm doing my best to word the answers in a way that don't sound like I'm completely crazy. It's difficult finding the right words to push them in one direction or the other. To get them to stop asking questions. It seems like every answer you give compounds the problem. Because then they want to know more and more. It is fairly unprecedented to have this many people simply just show up. So I I think I want to get a few touchstones in place. When they ask where these people came from, what are you telling them? I want to tell them the truth as much as a normal person can, you know, handle it. We 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 found them at this person's ho- at this person's house that we were investigating missing persons. That's what we what we do. And we, our investigation led us to the Miser House, owned by one Mr. Mr. Gavigan. Okay. And we, we rescued them, you know, from an unknown future that would probably have, they probably would have ended up dead. Yeah, and the doctor sympathizes with his, the, the patience he has, obviously, he's trying to get them the care he wants. Uh, he does tell you that it's quite possible that some members of either Scotland Yard or some members of the county law enforcement may want to ask you questions. And we will do our best to uh, make sure they get the information they need. Other than that, Um, He suggests that you may want to stop back into the hotel and get something to eat. There's no food here. This this clinic smells like like bodies. Not dead bodies, but just people. The amount of human odor that's in here from all of these people who were prisoners or in some various state there at Miser House that you've brought back here. So everybody's been taken care of that can be taken care of. They've been patched up and... Yeah, I mean, it's been a triage. You know that the that Dr. Tottenbach helped this doc, this clinic doctor for some time before eventually retiring back to the hotel when, when he could no longer continue to work. I take the doctor's advice, um, but before I go back to the hotel, I want to go into the room where Dr. Um, Tottenbach put Forsyth's body. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming laying on a table. I think he just laid him on a table in there. Yeah, there's a um, sheet over him, and there's. It, it, it's likely that some preparatory work was done on Mr. Forsyth to, to make sure that his body would not um, be sullied or begin to, you know, uh, decompose. So I go in there to, to pay my last respects. I 
and I know his body is fairly mangled from from what happened. Mm-hmm. But I grab a a bowl with water and, and a cloth and you know try to wipe down what's left of his you know face and arms and and whatnot respectfully. Sure. I, I don't want to see him like this at all, but it's I want to make sure he's given the respect that he very much deserves. You get to probably the shoulder and then just a bit below the shoulder before you, you're a little overcome with the, the massive gaping hole that's in his center. It's difficult to process. So you end up, you pretty much only dip this cloth so far low. You do see that there is a a splash of these this crystalline material that's been indented into his skin. Yep, I, I put the sheet back over his over his head, um, and I uh, pour the water out and everything. I uh, I check my pockets and or check my pockets. What's left of my pants? Because <laughs> they were they're still shredded from. Yeah, my... the um, one of the local uh, nurses here would have given you a skirt. Uh, they would have likely fetched it from the house just to see you in that sort of state. There's been a lot of um, activity at the hospital, people bringing clothes for people who had none because there were so many just naked bodies, right. for lack of a better term. Um, I find the, the upside-down um, Ankh necklace mm-hmm. in in one of the pockets uh, um, and kind of realize that it, it, I, I do need to get back to the the hotel and, and clean myself up and maybe get an hour of sleep and so the group can talk about our next move and how we should proceed. I um, say goodbye to the, to the doctor um, and let him know that if he needs anything, we are right at the hotel. Um, don't hesitate to call us you know, back to help. Yeah, he asks if you have any spare sleep. <laughs> um, I don't. But when I do, I'll, I'll, I will definitely make sure you get it. Very well. Uh, so, after your night, Miss O'Shea, and your eventual return, how are you finding the morning? Hungover, because I said I grabbed a bottle of wine, so I probably just laid on bed in bed and drank it until I passed out. You're not, you were not the only one self-medicating last night, that's for certain. So, um... Yeah, if I eventually wake up, I'm just gonna grab some clothes and trudge my way to the bathroom. And then when I peel off the robes, I'm going to hand wash them and hang them up. And uh, set to uh, get and clean myself. It's an arduous process. Um, So, between the muck and the mud and the blood, there's an awful lot to clean off of you. You probably spend two to three times longer in the tub just doing the scouring. Um, getting it out from under your fingernails is an immense challenge, especially having it on there for four or five hours dried. The robe, however, seems to have come through relatively reasonably fine as far as rips and tears, which is dramatic for such a um, seemingly fragile fabric. It's good to know. Uh, but after you get clean enough, the, the water is rose-colored at this point. 
from all of the, uh, well, the awful nature of the, the bath. You're able to find some semblance of steadiness. Now you just need fresh clothes. Yeah, um, I'll grab whatever I have that's clean until the robes are dry, so. Okay. Jack, talk to me about the morning, or I should say the late morning and nearly afternoon. It's about 11. I get up, and I know that we're going to have to talk to some authorities. I don't think there's any way of getting around that. So, first thing I want to do is make a call to Scotland Yard. Okay. To the inspector. Inspector Barrington? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it takes you a couple minutes to get connected to Barrington, but you eventually get connected up. He comes on the line. Barrington. Uh, Inspector Barrington, this is uh, Jack Doyle. Ah, yeah, yes, Mr. Doyle, how are you? Um, not well. Oh. We, uh, we found some more clues out to Walton on the Nays. I don't know if you've gotten word yet back in uh, Scotland Yard. Um, I haven't I haven't read anything as of this morning. Um, clues? Yeah, um, some names, uh, location. We checked out a house out here and we rescued a large number of people being held prisoner in the basement of a house, a manor house. Oh, truly? Yeah. There was uh, some violence. Uh, the... I think that's uh, they're connected to the cult members that you captured. Really? Yeah. Well, that's fairly dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Um, we lost uh, we lost a friend, Mister Forsyth. You met him. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, you said violence. What? Yeah. Um, what? Um, perpetrated by whom? Well, when we uh, we started poking around at the house, uh, the individuals who owned the house and lived there. Um, do you know who these individuals are or, or were? Well, we know two of them. All right. Are you, are you familiar with Edward Gavigan? Oh, of course. Yes, yeah. the, the Benue Foundation. Yeah, he was. He owns the house. And he was there? He was there. And he knew about what was going on? He absolutely knew what was going on. And you have proof of this? Well, he fled. I see. Him and uh, his, uh, I guess... Second lieutenant, whatever you want to call Accomplice. him. Accomplice. Yeah. The owner of the spy shop that burned, I believe. Oh, the fire in Soho. Yes. Hmm. They were both connected to the Blue Pyramid Club. Interesting. Um, are you still there now? We are in Walton on the Nays. We're not at the house. I see. Um, I'll be right there. Yes, As thank quickly you. as I can. It uh, might take me a few hours, but uh, I'll be there by train uh, by the afternoon. Thank you. You might want to bring some... Men with you. I will. And Mr. Doyle. Yes. Don't leave. Absolutely not. He hangs up the receiver. Doctor? Yeah? It's about probably 1130 or noon when you wake. And if memory serves correctly, Simone was staying in the same room as you. He was sleeping in my bed, yes. Right. So I so, actually probably wake up next to the bed on the floor. You do. The first thing that hits you is the smell of alcohol. And then the second thing that hits you is a smell of stomach acid. And the third thing that hits you is a visual, and it's the confluence of the two on the floor in front of you. Oh, it's been a while since I... <laughs> Take a slug off of anything that's left in the bottle as a bit of the hair of a dog. Now it is absolutely brutally oh. empty. The closest thing you have is water in the... The pitcher that's about day old, 
pour myself a small glass and kind of drink up just a sip of it and splash the rest on my face. You realize how parched you are instantly. And then I drink probably two more. And then it hits you. Waves of nausea. The sound hits you. And the sound is the distinct and horrifying feeling that your ear gave your brain when Lawrence's spine broke in half on that obelisk. You get the vision of it again mm-hmm. after the noise. Take a moment, eyes closed, to re-study myself or re-study himself on the, on the nightstand. Look over at Simone, make sure he's still breathing. He seems to be. Okay. Well, it is far too early to be sober, but it's also far too early to be completely drunk. So the doc takes a few breaths of ether, mm. uh, begins to smooth out the wrinkles in his brain, and does his level best. Um, regardless of whether Simone is there or not, he puts on a phonograph of some German opera, and he turns it up as loud as the phonograph will go. Okay. Because at least that might take the edge off that sound that keeps recoiling through his head. So, Simone, you wake to the German opera. Well, um, I kind of I'll blink my eyes open. I feel like I don't know if I don't know how empty I feel. Uh, I imagine at this point I probably feel pretty devoid of I don't know power, purpose. <laughs> Any number of important feelings. Yeah. You you likely empty you emptied the tank last night. I will probably um just kind of lay there with my eyes open staring at the ceiling, listening to the music, and I'll just kind of let it bring me around. And when I sit up, I'm going to look for a mirror. Oh uh, yeah, there's one uh right above the basin. And if my if my body will cooperate with me, I will slide out of the bed. And when we over to the basin and um, take a long, hard look at who's staring back at me. That's a great question. And I will probably uh, start washing my face and scrubbing off this mask. You can tell that it's been touched a few times by hands, not your own. You're not really sure where that came from, but as you... uh, relief your visage of the the paint you kind of pick up a little bit of steam mentally just from the process of it It, about halfway through it begins to feel good to get clean I'll kind of look upon the doctor I still haven't said anything I don't really know what I imagine he's lounging actually he's um, slowly checking everything in his bag taking each thing out, holding it up to the light, seeing how much he has, and not making particularly a large amount of eye contact or conversation with Simone or really anyone else. Oh, uh, yeah, Simone, someone threw up here. You're not sure who it is. Oh, if it's not on me, and it's not on him, I don't, it's not my room. But I know that I do feel, I feel a sense of loss, um, So I think once my face is clean and the person looking back at me is someone I can work with, I'm just going to let the doctor continue to do 
whatever it is that he sees fit to do right now. Um, and I will quietly make my exit. Try, try not to slip on the on the vomit. I think the doctor is going to stop you from leaving. He's probably just going to continue his inventory of self and um, and Kit. What's and I think what's really irking me is that there was a there was a sacrifice that was made, and it was of a man that I barely knew, and I don't know what he lived for. I know what he probably told himself he was willing to die for, but I don't know him. So I think, I think I would, I would probably wander toward his room. You step out into the hallway and you see a tired and haggard Lillian Lane walking just down towards her room. And her room is right next to where Mr. Forthay's room was. I'll watch her kind of curiously. I look over at Simone and nod to him and I don't say anything to him. I'm just too tired and exhausted to have a conversation about anything meaningful or anything at all at this point and just open my door and close it behind me without looking back and go fall on my bed. Hmm. I just kind of let her (laughs) wander into her room and then I will... uh... Yeah, I'll go into Forsyth's room. It's it's warm in here. And quietly shut the door behind me. Okay. It looks like the February sun, even as dim as it might be in England, it has lined up and hit this room likely the entire morning. You see his uh, suitcase nearby on the bed, collected, shut. An array of his clothes are nearby, all laid out as if he's going to be traveling somewhere right there was a departure there was supposed to be they were going somewhere i'll probably sit next to the suitcase next to the clothes that are laid out i know that he was searching for something he was searching for some answers he was trying to get an understanding of things i imagine i don't know if the if the books that he was using are out wasn't he trying to learn a language? Yeah, Arabic. Yeah, there's a, there's a book here on Arabic. It seems that there's a few pieces of paper that have been tucked into the, the cover of it. It looked like, just from the header that you see on them, they look like notes. Sure. Yeah, these are the random threads from his brain. This is, I think this is where I'll start. Okay. Even giving them a, a glance over for a few moments and then getting into his headspace, you you can immediately tell that Lawrence was a fastidious man as far as his uh, the way he studied. He has a he had a very orderly method of doing things. The notes are not just jumbled and all over the place. They're in sections, there's parts here on phrases and and, and conjugation of, of how to write Arabic and how to pronounce this sound you know he seemed to take a, a care in it knowing that the information would be needed in the future I think I would probably start absent-mindedly and methodically and respectfully probably as meticulous as I imagine he would I would probably start kind of like unpacking his stuff more so not in a rifling 
kind of you know searching way more like um like kind of treating everything as if it were a museum piece yeah you begin a careful and respectful cataloging of what's here in, in hopes i imagine to um, know him better well again i i barely knew him uh and i know that i know that he had deep relationships and that he didn't talk much about them I also don't know if he had next of kin. I don't know if he had ambitions outside of survival. I know I know so little about him. I know that he had a skill set. I know he had a life before this. But all I really know about it is that it involved the earth sciences and blowing stuff up. You find several things inside the case that lend itself to that story. You find a small collection of National Geographic magazines. You find a chess set. You find a couple of pocket watches. You find a compass. You find a lot of things that you would probably find in a surveying kit. You find an unfinished letter to his parents. Yeah, I imagine at this point I've probably become a bit consumed by this process. So I'm probably like on my knees in front of the bed with kind of all of the things spread out, you know, given like their own little spot, pile or position or place. Which is probably what I do for a while. I'll leave you there for a minute. Uh, Miss O'Shea, you are now clean and um, clothed as the uh, robe will need a few hours to dry. And uh, just being up here, you you have heard a couple of doors shut and people move around. So you know that other people are awake and moving too. You probably would have heard, given the hotel's lone phone downstairs at the bottom at the bottom of the stairs you probably would have heard at least someone talking on the phone maybe not in detail mm-hmm. but you would have been able to hear you can hear jack's voice from upstairs again no idea what he said but so if i peek out my room do i see anybody in the hallway not at the moment okay i'm gonna shut my door quietly and if i look down the stairs do i see jack down there still? I think there's probably a better than 50-50 chance that you do. Okay. Well, I was going to um, go and have breakfast, but by myself. So if I can avoid him, I will. I mean, I doubt he stays down there the entire day and night. You never know what Jack's up to. (laughs) Well, I mean, I do usually, but, but yeah. We'll say that you're able to get downstairs... Jack might have to use the bathroom at some point or go somewhere and get a paper or... Well, I'm not going to be down there for very long. I'm making a phone call, maybe getting a cup of coffee, and then I have things I have to do. Sure. So we'll say that he's not downstairs. The staff um, acknowledge that you were... that that everyone here had a, a late night. They don't talk in detail. The innkeeper, as it were, doesn't inquire anything. He, he asks you if you want any food or any coffee or what tea you want not. They happily provide anything they might have. Yeah, I'll just get something to eat, have some coffee. No, she drinks tea, so she would have tea. Yeah, I would have brought down my new book, so the Book of Even, to keep to start reading and you know keep my mind off of other things. Sure. You, you um, begin reading about many, many strange stories. It's much more comforting than being in the present day with all of these nasty images and difficult emotions to deal with. Right. This book seems more fun. 
and I might learn something. Fun, in air quotes. All right, Jack, what else are you doing today, then? Well, I have a few hours for the Inspector Baratin gets here, right? Yeah. I go upstairs, and I am collecting everything from everyone. Guns, stuff like that. And we're putting it in the false bottom of that uh, trunk. Okay. We can't have uh, all of that shit lying out when an inspector gets here. Okay. So you'd likely knock on Lillian's room when she doesn't answer because she's probably asleep. You'd go in there. Um, you'd retrieve whatever weapons she may have carted back to the, the room. The doctor, you can hear the German opera music playing. All right. Knock on the door. It's actually probably not even closed. Come in. Doctor, how you doing? Oh, vomit. How you doing? As best as can be expected, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I need anything that might uh, raise eyebrows with the police. Fish Betty out of my doctor's bag and hand it over. Well, Flare gets probably fine, but... Mm. Is, um... Do you still have my 38? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Believe that is my only answer. Scene, right? Yeah. Go to go to May's room. Everything's put away because it got cleaned. Okay. You're not in there, obviously. No. Go to uh, Simone's room. It's empty. It's empty. Go to the Forsyth room. There's Simone. And there's a a light cataloging is being done of his things. Simone. Simone. I probably continue staring ahead at the uh, the bed. Like looking over things, like running my hand over some tweed. We need the weapons and stuff. Hmm, I'm sorry? We need the weapons. We need to put them away. The police are coming. I look around the room. Is any of Forsyth's weapons here? Yeah, there were probably weapons that were left in the case that he didn't take. And I'm sure we, and wherever the, we collected and put the weapons that we brought back. I'll, uh, I'll reach around the bed and probably grab that bag where the ammunition or anything remaining is just kind of absentmindedly pass it up to to Jack not really moving anything you might have uh, anything I have would be in my room is there anything in your room that we need to put away where are we London not London England the shotguns they'll likely not take well to the shotguns now the, the shotguns are probably fine they're hunting weapons. Not those shotguns. Simone's voice has totally changed. Hmm. I stand up and kind of... I slide past Jack. I mean, if at that point, he's if he's paying attention, he hasn't really... I probably There's probably a bit of a, walk, a difference to my gait. It, it's almost a different person, right? No, kind of... Uh, not absentmindedly, but almost... Like kind of operating a bit like a fog. Go to my room and um, fumble through the stuff that we would have had to have retrieved when we were picking up the books and making all the runs back and forth. Because I'm imagining, because I know that I dropped my stuff when I was in that fight with the creature. But when we went back through the house, I'm imagining I would have picked my stuff back up. Yeah, I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah. So, kind of absentmindedly hand Jack the bag. Is this what you're looking for? Yes. I'll gesture to my rifle. Yeah, we better put that away too. Just in case. Of course. I'll sling it over his shoulders since he's probably got arms full at this point. Making several trips to uh, Maeve's room to... Uh... Hide as much as you can, sure. Yeah. The entirety of uh, Germany in World War One walks from one room to the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, good. 
<laughs> Calvary's here. <laughs> you hide what you can. The rifle is not something that will fit unless you take it apart. I'm fitting everything in there one way or another. Okay. The dynamite, everything. You realize that the false bottom is a bit adjustable depending upon how much stuff needs to go in there. And Miss O'Shea in this current setup will not likely have enough room for her stuff. Well, it's not going to stay in there forever. Sure. You work on it. Uh, you do some light mystical reading, Miss O'Shea. Uh, Doctor, you continue to listen to opera. Uh, you eventually get likely something more to drink mm -hmm. and begin to continue to cope through the day. Yep. Miss Lane sleeps. And after a few hours, Inspector Barrington arrives with five men from Scotland Yard. I'll be downstairs writing a letter. Sure. They come in the front door. The, obviously, the hotel owner is somewhat surprised to see them. Um, and uh, the officers in question, several of them begin to head to the clinic to take statements. Because by now, they've gotten word that there's been an issue. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. And Inspector Barrington sits down or at the table across from you. Inspector Barrington. Mr. Doyle? So... Why don't you start at the beginning? Well, Lawrence and I had come and talked to you, and you gave us uh, a few names, some locations. So we started poking around. Obviously, it uh, riled up some of the local cult members, seeing as what happened at the hotel. Mm -hmm. After we left there, we started putting some of uh, the information together, and we realized that uh, they were connected to this house north of here, Manor. So... We decided to take a uh, side tour and just see what was up with the house. We get out there, and apparently uh, Mr. Gavigan and whatever whoever else was involved with it in London fled to uh, this house. Probably lay low until the heat blew up. Well, we uh, showed up, and they didn't take too kindly to that. There was a, a bit of a fight. Some lunatic with dynamite blew up half of the uh, interior of the house. Dynamite? Dynamite. They dynamited their own home? Well, I don't think that was the, perp the plan. Wait, what, what was the plan with the dynamite then? Well, I, I have no idea what they were, what they, whoever did it was thinking. In the course of the uh, fight, uh, Forsyth fell. Was impaled. Ghastly, huh? Yeah. Impaled on what? Some stone or rubble or something. Should you give us a rough idea of where this estate is? Yeah, I'll give him specific instructions. And he passes the note to a couple of the waiting constables. Take a car and go investigate it immediately. They leave. Gavigan's in the wind. I have no idea where he went. Hmm. Most of them escaped. Well, we'll put calls out to the foundation in London and attempt to determine if he's going to double back to the city. If he does, we'll pick him up at the foundation. If this is true, uh, as I'm hearing that there were several uh, wounded that were taken from the, the house. Almost 30 people, I think, were drug out of the uh, basement. Well, if that's the case and we have uh, evidence from the house that links the two, uh, then... We have a fairly clear-cut case to, to deal with Edward Gavigan as necessary. As far as his accomplice goes, 
You said that she was the woman who owned the spice shop? Yes, I believe so. Zahara. Shafiq. Shafiq, yes. Zahara Shafiq. Well, uh, well the, her spice shop is gone, and so is the apartment above it, amongst a few other places nearby. Based on what I've seen so far, have you looked in the basement of that house? No. I, the house was a total loss. Hmm. Any idea what happened? I, I understand it caught fire, but... I assuming somebody was covering their tracks. Hmm. I think Doc casually walks through to towards the bar to get another bottle. Anyone who is sane enough to play with sticks of dynamite by looking and fathoming their prerogatives and their ideas is looking for madness. One bottle, please. The hotel owner goes back behind the bar and he puts another bottle up says, uh, hey, also just, uh, Take it easy. Talk again. Some of our friends aren't taking it so well. I should imagine not. Back in the war, we lost a few boys, and there were there were nights in uh, in some of the trenches where you did anything you could to not think about it. I understand. There's still nights. And days. They don't end. Well, I suppose I should ask, then, if these people at the estate attacked you, I assume that you were forced to deal with them. There were some casualties on their side. Of course. Should I ask in how or what ways and what methods were used? There might have been some gunplay. Hmm. Shocking, given that you're an American. <laughs> Country's obsession with guns. Well, I think I will need you to write an official statement that I can take back to Scotland Yard. When we know more about what has gone at this estate, what has happened there, there may be some continuing questions for you, but it's difficult for me to find fault with uh, wanting to know more about what happened. And if these people at the house attacked you, then it's difficult for me to find fault in you wanting to defend yourself. That said, I am not the entirety of the legal system here in Britain. I understand completely. And so... Others may have questions for you as well. What are your plans now that uh, this matter is resolved? Well, at some point we would like to move on and continue our original uh, inquiries. Hmm. But um, I understand we have to spend a little time here waiting this out. Well, a lot of, a lot will depend on what they find at the house. I will warn you that uh, there was some extreme mental... Uh, strain on some of the survivors. They may uh, talk about some bizarre things. Some of them were ranting about giant snakes and um, flying creatures of shadow. I did see at one point that there's a lot of belladonna growing in the area, so it is entirely possible that they may have been hallucinating. Hallucinating? Well, sure. It is not uncommon for members of extreme religions to ingest various hallucinatory chemicals. Hmm. Doesn't sound like the Church of England to me. He stands <laughs> up and straightens his uniform. Very not. But we'll stay for a few days, at least until we find out what we have to do. Understood. I will, uh, I'm going to go inquire myself at the clinic and see if I can talk to some of these survivors. From everything I've seen as far as this, uh, well, these fanatics, these brotherhood fanatics, the one that we took from the hotel still hasn't talked. 
It's been weeks. I don't think he will. Well, I want to find someone amongst their kind who will. There is uh, at least one more cult survivor out there. He's tied up in the gatehouse. Well, if my men encounter him, I'm sure that they will hasten his uh, retrieval. He seemed to be a little bit more talkative. Oh, yes. Did he talk to you? A little bit. If you do end up leaving the country after this is over, I would prefer to know where you're planning on heading. I think uh, our next plans are Egypt. Very well. So we'll still be under the uh, British thumb, as it were. Oh, no, 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 no. We are merely assisting. Oh, yes. In Egypt. We're merely assisting now. There is, uh, they have their own government, and they can do as they like. So, uh, I shall uh, return after my interviews. And he gets up, and he uh, puts his hat back on, and then begins stepping back out. I will, uh, first I'll write up the uh, statement. I mean, I assume that you're going to keep it fairly cut and dry. Mm -hmm. But I think it would be an excellent addition for our Patreon backers to get a hold of. So why don't you write that up for them? All right. Okay. Back upstairs, Simone, after you, uh, a few hours have passed, you've, you've gotten a good feel for who Lawrence was, at least in the methods that he used. You can tell a lot by the way someone packs their things, by the way someone organizes or their lack of organization for that matter. And it's pretty clear that he had a method of doing things and that he didn't like altering that method at all. You find him very rigid. That seems very obvious and kind of kind of soothing in a way, considering the kind of cloudy chaos that's, that's going on in my head right now. I think that uh, amongst his clothing, is there anything that, not particularly fancy, but is there anything that it looks like he had, right? But he just never got a chance to wear. Mm-hmm. You actually don't find a ton of changes of clothes for him. He had a he has a, he has basically one medium to nice suit, mm-hmm. and the rest of his clothes mostly are something you would see in any sort of tradesman or 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 you know skilled labor as far as you know simple shirts and slacks and belts and stuff like that it's there's there's nothing ostentatious at all about Lawrence. It's as if he issued it because. He found it uh, an unnecessary and bothersome addition to getting things done. Okay. Uh, I will take that suit and what looks like probably the most fond of his pocket watches, the one that looks the most handled, any, you know, necessary accessories, and I'll just create a small pile in the chair, and I will uh, pack up the rest of his stuff back up, uh, with the exception of, like, the National Geographic magazines, the survey kit, and the linguistics books. Like, all of his non-utility belongings I will, I will put back into his luggage. And then I'll leave most of the stuff there. I will, in one arm, carry the magazines and the books and the survey kit. And in the other hand, I will carry the suit, like, in a little pile with, you know, the pocket watch, maybe like a handkerchief, tie, some things on top. Did he have shoes? Did have shoes. Because he was wearing his mud-kicking boots when we went out there, so his shoes are here. Yeah, they are. I take that little pile of stuff, and I will go out into the hall, and I will 
very gingerly place the pile next to Lillian's door and kind of pet it. I will lightly tap on it. I don't know if she's awake. I will go back to my room and feel like a stranger for a while. Okay. Miss O'Shea, you're uh, moving back through the upstairs, having to use the facilities. Miss Lane, there is a tapping on your door that wakes you up. I am. Can I stretch a little bit from while still laying in my in bed? Just take a moment to get my bearings after I probably only got a couple hours of sleep, I'm sure. I kind of sit up and I take stock of kind of what I look like at the moment and realize I'm still wearing my same clothes and which have probably mud and blood and well, the pants you swap. Oh, I get the skirt a, on right now, you know, skirt so, now. which is probably still have has is dirty and gross from dealing with the uh, the prisoners. Just a little. I uh, get up and I um, rub my eyes and I, I, I go to the uh, door and peek out. So you go to the door and you peek out and there's two things you see. One, at the base of the door, there's a little collection of Lawrence's things. This is something you notice as we're going through the hallway too, Miss O'Shea. There, there's been a prepared almost pile, very carefully, of Lawrence, some of Lawrence's clothes, pocket watch, certain things that remind you greatly of him that have been sat at the foot of your door. Does it include shoes? Yeah, I believe so. I take a moment and I, I think it kind of clicks that somebody left them there for his body so we can when we send him back to uh to, the, to america that he has something to to wear and i i just kind of i i plop myself on the ground and kind of gather all the things in my lap <laughs> and uh I, I take that moment to uh finally let myself feel something versus trying to just keep going boy that's a whole waterfall of emotions so, for you, walking through the hallway at this point, obviously, you're, you're probably going to your room, which is beyond Lillian and Lawrence's room. You see a pile of clothes there and some, some assorted items when she comes out of her room a little bit and, and just begins to kind of like look at them by hand. You have seen people overcome with emotion before, and it's going to be very difficult for you to get around it because it's going to happen literally now I probably like stand there awkwardly and uh, probably like since I have I have to go past her walk real slow with my back up against the opposite wall like tiptoe around her try not to look because if I do I might cry so I just keep going it really isn't just the visual nature of it, too. Like, you can hear the links in the chain of his pocket watch when she picks it up. And he only wore it a few times. And it, you remember him wearing it to the Carlisle mm-hmm. residence, to her mansion. Because he felt like, well, it was a really special event. And he needed to look his best. Yep, I'm going to look at the ceiling. Keep try and go. All I'm going to focus on is my robe is dry. I can wear it now. Like, that's all. That's my mantra as I go back to my room. Like, I kind of make a wide circle, like, you know, 
Like, as if you're avoiding, like, a creature that might get you. Uh, so, I'll tell you what. Why don't you give me a pow roll and see if you have the willpower to walk around something like this? No, I don't. It's an 89 out of 65. You get about halfway. You focus on the robe, you focus on the ceiling, and Lillian's emotion and the energy it gives off for someone who like you is who is so connected to energy this time it works against you and the little pinhole of availability that you have that you want to close completely you you can't shut it out you can't shut out the fact that Lawrence is dead and all of these things here have been collected for him and this is probably what he would have wore if, if he was here and we were leaving together. But the totality is, you're not. And so it, it becomes impossible for you to continue moving. You, ha- you, have to, you have to do something here. Um, I probably then put my back up against the wall and just slide down and sit down. Miss Lane, you have a compatriot here. In your, in in this well of emotion, she probably looks more dead-eyed than anything. It's funny because the both of you look dead-eyed. I'm assuming I noticed that may have it slid down. A- she she passed. She tried to pass you a bit, and she's now sitting across the hallway. I look up to her and I'm because I'm clutching Lawrence's suit coat, probably for you know, like a teddy bear. I should have done something. I, I should have done something. I did. Why? 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 Why, why couldn't? Why, why couldn't we save him? Why? I, I should have done. I should have done more. I didn't have all the components to save him. It's. It's not. It's not your fault. I. I had the gun. I should have. Sh- I should have shot that thing out of the sky. I, I should have. I could have made a deal. I could have sacrificed something of my own to have him here, but I didn't have everything. But but we could have lost you two then, and, and, and Lawrence wouldn't have wanted that. I can't serve if I'm dead. I just would have given up something. I hope this isn't all in vain that he, he died. I mean, we just... Well, we have to make sure it's not. We have to make sure that we go... And we continue, because that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to see this through. So I think no matter what, and no matter how bad it gets, we have to finish this. All of it. Not just for Elias now. I'm in it. I'm, I was already in it, but I'm... Well, we all have to be prepared to give up something. I think we just did. Yeah, but it's not like it's going to get easier from here. I know. At least here they speak some form of English. Everywhere we're going here on out, it's going to get scary. We have to get Lawrence's body back to his family in America. I'm assuming this is why the the clothes and, and accessories were left outside my door. But why you? Isn't that something that the doctor should take care of? I'm not... I... I, I don't know. Maybe it's because Lawrence and I had a had a a, a difficult 
relationship, friendship. So maybe I'm going to clean up and, um, and I will touch base with the doctor and see how he wants to proceed because I think we still need to label a cause of death as well. I think we'll call the scene to close there and we'll call the episode to close there. And so thank you for joining us for the season opener of our fourth season of Masks of Neonathotep. We want to thank all of our patron backers, who a growing list of wonderful people who are helping us make this show even better. So thank you again, and thank you very much for your listening ears. We will see you next week. 